Welcome to the San Diego News Fix. I'm Christy Totten. There's a new development at 101 Ash Street, the building the city of San Diego agreed to buy in 2016 that was later found to be unusable without major repairs. San Diego leaders announced Monday that they had reached a settlement agreement with Sistera, which is the building's landlord, and CGA Capital, its lender. If approved, the city will pay $46 million for Civic Center Plaza and $86 million for 101 Ash Street, which would need up to $115 million in repairs. The deal also calls for Sistera to pay the city $7.4 million and CGA Capital would give up an $11.7 million prepayment penalty. In all, the city of San Diego would be spending more than $250 million on this deal, while the Ash Street building was only appraised for $67 million when the lease-to-own agreement was approved. Understandably, taxpayers have questions. San Diego Mayor Todd Gloria, Councilmember Chris Cate, Councilmember Sean Ela Rivera, and Penny Mouse, the city's director of real estate, joined the San Diego Union-Tribune editorial board on Wednesday to discuss the deal. In this interview, you're going to hear questions asked by Union Tribune Deputy Opinion Editor Chris Reed, Reader Engagement Editor Andrew Kleski, and Editor and Publisher Jeff Light. Thanks for listening. Um, Mr. Mayor, this, uh, this decision to settle it has produced, at least from our letter writers, kind of consternation. They perceive an eagerness to settle and put this behind that they don't necessarily agree with. Now, obviously, letter writers are not, uh, you know, insiders, but to the extent that they reflect this view that, oh, San Diego has got this quarter century of, of its city leaders making dubious decisions, are you worried that this uh, this settlement talk maybe prompts more of the same, more people being cynical about how City Hall operates? Well, I think what has led us to this point is that, um, you know, there's, there's no defending the initial deal. The question is, what do we do about it? And, you know, the, I think you were the word, said the word you know, speedy or hasty uh, conclusion, far from it, right? This transaction was six, over six years ago. Uh, we have been actively discussing this matter for the full 18 months. Uh, the, uh, Council President Ilo Rivera and I have been uh, in our respective current roles. Uh, we've had multiple closed sessions about this matter, and we can choose a path of uncertainty of continuing to litigate this thing for half a decade or longer, um, or we can uh, address this issue head on, at least with this part of the litigation, right? We're talking about Sistera and CGA. This deal does not include uh, Jason Hughes or Hughes Marino. It does not include the the contractors who uh, disrupted and exposed the asbestos in the facility. We will continue to work on those parts of the deal, Uh, but uh, retaining ownership of these properties, I think is consequential for uh, providing some certainty for our space needs for our employees to address a potential redevelopment of the downtown civic core um, and to uh, put this sorry chapter behind us. But as for the question about you've been working on it for a long time, so there's really no haste involved, people were surprised at the idea that the council needs to make a decision by July 11th and that final decisions need to be made by the end of July. Because while the long scenario you you point out uh, may not reflect haste, the idea that the settlement has to be agreed on within six weeks uh, uh, caught people's eyebrows. So your reaction? I mean, this is... I, 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 acknowledge and respect that for the public, um, 
they have not been a part of mediation, haven't been a part of closed session. Uh, I understand why this may feel truncated, uh, but this has been, and you can find the closed session meetings dating back months and months and months. This has been an active conversation between the city council, uh, the mayor's office, the city attorney, uh, and the defendants in this case. Uh, and what we're doing is uh, coming to a conclusion of this matter. Uh, and I would point out that we, as soon as we had a signed settlement agreement, we immediately informed the public of this. Uh, we, you know, did it sooner than uh, was necessary under the Brown Act, and you know we're making ourselves available in this forum because we want the public to know. We want to be transparent. We want to be uh, honest and forthright in a way that Mr. Kate and I were not given that opportunity uh, when we were council members and the original transaction was made. Uh, we are breaking with the past, both in the way we're handling the settlement and in the way we're doing projects going forward. You know, recruit, recruiting uh, Penny Moss to her role, accepting the city auditor's recommendations for reforms. Uh, we uh, certainly have learned from this experience, and we will not be repeating it. One of the specific concerns raised by the city attorney in the document that uh, its office put out on Monday was that last July there were promises made that there would be due diligence in ascertaining the extent of repairs that would be needed, and also in looking at how much uh, how much likelihood that this much office space was actually going to be needed going forward, and implied reference to the pandemic and how things might change. Mm -hmm. So, what is uh, your reaction to the idea you haven't done due diligence on either the how much the repairs will cost? and on the idea that you may not actually need this much office space. Well, obviously I would disagree with that. Penny, I, I might ask you to, to weigh in here as our expert, but uh, the short answer is I disagree with that. But Penny, do you mind uh, expanding on it? Sure, we've taken a look at our office space needs with, with CCP specifically, the building is full. Um, there are people that are teleworking at this time. So we're working with departments as they're bringing on new staff in the next fiscal year to engage with hoteling and desk sharing because we are out of space in CCP. With regards to 101 ASH, we haven't made a decision on what we'll do with that building yet. As the mayor mentioned, you know, this gives us the opportunity to explore what the right choices. Do we want to remediate and, and move folks in? Do we want to remediate and sell the building? Do we want to pursue a redevelopment? There's a menu of options, and that's not part of this settlement either. The settlement is just giving us the opportunity to do that analysis, make recommendations to the city council, so that ultimately they can make that decision at a later date. Thanks. Thanks. If, I, if I can just add one, one, yeah, one, one thing to that. Um, I think part of what I would encourage folks to look at is the independent budget analyst re, uh, posted this morning uh, a report uh, that the council received from uh, an independent analysis. Um, and some of the questions that, that they, in their findings, they said, you know, the, the decision to accept or reject the settlement is heavily dependent on whether the city desires to own the buildings and to risk tolerance. Um, this is the less risky option, as, as strange as that may sound. There is actual, actually much less uncertainty in this path. Uh, there's, there's much, much more um, autonomy that the city has given over our future. And I don't think that that should be discounted. Um, I would encourage uh, you and, and members of the public to take a look at that analysis uh, and the findings there, um, because I think there's some important information in terms of the options that this will make a, a, a affordable to us uh, by choosing this route. Yeah, I, uh, uh, can you guys hear me? I'm having some Zoom problems. Okay, I'm usually a camera on person. For some reason, I've got no camera and a spinning wheel, so forgive me. Um, I just wanted to go back to Chris's question about the timing. And uh, I appreciate your answer, uh, uh, Mayor, that, you know, the, the, 
this has been negotiated over a long period. But for me, the question about the timing is uh, one of really understanding what happened. Like to me, short of the resolution of these criminal inquiries, I, I feel like I don't know uh, really what happened between uh, Steve Black and Jason Hughes. I don't really have a clear picture of why all this money changed hands and these checks were written. Uh, so that makes, you know, like that gives me pause, like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'd love to negotiate a settlement with you, but I think first I need to understand who I'm dealing with. And I, and I guess I want to hear from you what uh, the, what, why you feel, obviously you know a lot more than I do, right? You, you feel comfortable dealing with these people. Why, why is that? Well, <laughs> I mean, dealing with them is what we've been doing and what we'll have to continue to do, particularly if we don't have the settlement agreement, right? Let's playing out uh, uh, winning in court means that we give the building back, the building, both buildings back, and suddenly the 800 employees that Penny was talking about a moment ago uh, is in the hands of Sestera uh, to negotiate a new lease with. And, yeah, you know, but there's some pretty big uh, commercial office space. That world's changed, you, can, you know? What, unquestionably, but back to the council president's point about risk, you know, whenever this concludes, if it's in 2030, 2028, uh, 2032, you know, what is that going to be? What kind of costs are we going to have yeah. to incur? And is it easy to leave it to the next man or woman that's going to sit in these respective jobs? Yeah, it would be easy to do that. We're not here to do that. We're here to solve problems. We were left this massive problem to deal with, and we're choosing to deal with it in a way that our predecessors did not, my predecessor did not. To the question about dealing with Sestera and, and Hughes and that question, I mean, that's a question for law enforcement. And I cannot stress this enough, and I felt like some of the reporters did not pick up on this in our press conference the other day. This deal not only does not include Jason Hughes in terms of the settlement of the, the civil matter, uh, but it expressly says that this absolves no one of any criminal liability. Um, and but here we are in 2022. The transaction was from 2016. A lot of this information has been known for several years. We have been sharing what we know uh, with appropriate authorities. Um, and they're welcome to take action at any time. Uh, perhaps you might encourage folks to take specific action, um, but you know that's not for us. We don't have that ability. What we have uh, is still a, a lease agreement uh, that we don't like uh, with folks that we don't want to continue to do business with. And with this settlement agreement, we won't do business with them going forward. Yeah. I think Sorry. I think going to the risk that the council president mentioned and, and the mayor as well, there's also a risk that if we win the litigation, we still cause damage to 101 Ash. So we could end up in a position where if we win the litigation, we still have to spend somewhere between 20 and $115 million remediating the building and then giving the keys back to Sistera. That's a pretty big risk. And I think that's something that gets lost as a benefit of this settlement. It's, you know, the certainty to be able to redevelop the site, but it's also the certainty not only that our employees can stay in CCP, that we ultimately have control over our investment in 101 Ash. We don't make an investment and give it back to Sestera. Real quick, similarly, if we lose the lawsuit, we're still in the business with them. Right. We still, but, we're still a tenant I, of them. But I, I still think the question we're asking and a lot of our readers are asking is there's been a lot of accusations about who did what and when and who knew what and when. And a lot of this seems to be 
well, we're just going to back out of it and not bother looking any further into who's at fault here. And it, it just it rises to a question of justice. It's a principle that people are asking about. Are we uh, allowing people to get away with something that for the past 18 months we've claimed they've done? Unequivocally, no. Hear me very clearly. The, this mayor, that council president, and this city council member are not law enforcement. Um, that is a question for the district attorney, uh, the attorney general, the U.S. attorney. All of them have uh, awareness of this. You all have reported that. Um, and even this, and all of this settlement agreement does not preclude their action. Uh, you know, through uh, this litigation, information has been uh, collected, has been shared. Um, but we have uh, we what you're asking for in terms of criminal consequences, of which I've said very clearly when we announced the the settlement proposal on Monday, law enforcement should look at this. They should be looking at this. They they should take action. Um, but none of the three of us here, none of the city council members are the folks to do that. We can't press charges we, uh, against these folks. That is for uh, law enforcement and those folks uh, ought to have eyes on this and, and render a judgment. We really only have 14 just, just more to, minutes. Just to add to that, yeah. Gotta, no, no, I just I'm, I'm no way, sorry, clear. we got to jump in here. We only have 14 more minutes, I was told by Rachel Lang, and we have a lot of ground to cover. So I'm okay. sorry, we can't just keep covering these same ones. We need to move on. The next question to move yeah. on is, many people say that you guys will have considerable leverage based on what criminal investigations find, and that you have foregone use of this leverage by announced by committing to an early settlement. There's many more questions to ask. I'm sorry we can't just dwell on one. Sorry to interrupt the council president, but I'd really like to get a reaction to that. Why not wait until the dust clears criminal prosecutions to see what leverage the city would then have? How much longer are we to wait? I mean, we uh, we don't have control over that. We've shared what we know. Um, you know, we would welcome their action uh, on this matter, but that's, uh, again, nothing in the settlement agreement precludes law enforcement for taking action. And Chris, there's there's another. So yes, there is leverage while there's potential criminal uh, criminal prosecution, but all of that goes away if there's not criminal prosecution. So there is like this is there's no clean, beautiful scenario here. So the, absolutely, there might be more leverage today than um, or excuse me, there might be more leverage if there is criminal prosecution. That being said, if if that goes away, the, the potential for that leverage is gone as well, and we'd be even in an even worse spot with more time having passed. State Law 1090 on conflicts of interest is described to me by attorneys that I've known for many years as a beast that's rarely used by authorities. In 1999, when Jeff and I were in Orange County, the Huntington Beach mayor got into a massive amount of trouble over conflicts of interest for blending his role as a businessman and as mayor. So uh, the idea that uh, Jason Hughes's role in this might not be subject to some kind of a potent uh, uh, discovery or a potent determination by the courts going forward. Uh, it's been represented by people who say the city attorney knows what it's talking about, that Jason's role in this could turn, could lead to the entire deal being invalidated. And so they're saying that going along with the settlement amounts to a second vote for the Ash Street deal. I'd be interested in getting a reaction to that. This settlement agreement does not include Mr. Hughes. That litigation continues. But if Mr. Hughes's role makes uh, creates grounds to invalidate the deal, which would seem to be something a lot of people might support, uh, isn't that uh, an angle that, that's worth looking at? Well, as, a, as 
Ms. Moss already mentioned, if if that was the outcome, then we have a situation where we have 800 employees without a place to go. We have a building that we have contributed to its uh, inability to be currently used and having to spend tens of millions of dollars to repair. Um, you know, there there is not, a, as the council president was sharing a moment, there is not a Cinderella option uh, in this situation. The outcome of that still has massive liabilities for the city and its taxpayers. And what we're choosing to to uh, uh, to follow a more certain path uh, where we do get the profit back from 101 Ash, we don't pay their attorney's fees, we get ownership of these assets, and we get to figure out a better future for all this stuff that will accrue to the benefit of San Diegans. And you said, Chris. You said, you said, Chris, that it was represented by the city attorney's office to you that it's confidence in the case. Is that is that what you said? That the city attorney's office told you that they're confident in their case. Uh, that's not what I said. They said I'm just saying there's people out there who think the conflict of interest law is a, such a powerful tool that if Jason Hughes was in fact acting as a representative of the city of San Diego government while ending up making millions of dollars, that who knows what a, a court would rule given the history of the potency of 1090 in state litigation. I, okay, I was so on. You mentioned the state attorney in there, and I re, I heard it as they're claiming some type of um, um, crystal ball of how they're going to win this case. And I was merely going to point to you the fact that we've had pretty high profile case in the past where I think it was expressed with confidence how they were going to go, and they didn't actually go our way. I, I just wanted to ask a, a Penny. I thought you were, um, you know, I think this issue of the damage that's been uh, that was done to the Ashford building uh, 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 represents a risk to the city. And, and I've heard that argument b before. And, and I just, like in my mind though, isn't, doesn't that exist on both sides of the ledger? Meaning, oh my God, if we have to give this building back, we, we would have to like make good and it would be costly, all this uh, damage that's been done. But, but isn't it also true if we get the building then we own that damage and the number is the same. So isn't that, is that really a factor when you're, when you're weighing the value on both sides? Isn't it on both sides of the equal sign? But the benefit is then we get the building. We don't spend, we don't write the check and give, make the repairs and Sestera gets the building, we get the building. So we're right, writing a check and getting nothing for it or writing a check and no, getting no, property in a building but, for it. But there's, in this case, there would be two checks. There's the check for this damage, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, versus owning that damage, that same number unrealized. But we're also writing a big check as part of this settlement, right? What is the number? Well, we have the obligation under the lease right now to make that payment. Yes, if the leases were invalidated, perhaps that would go away. But then we also run into the situation where, as the mayor mentioned, then the lease for CCP goes away and where do we move 800 people? So I think we can't just look at them separately. We have to look mm -hmm. at it holistically. Yeah, and I think that goes to Chris's question about the due diligence on like the 800 people. Like, there's not room for 800 people in downtown San Diego. I, I feel like when I go around downtown San Diego, everything after the first floor is vacant in almost every building, isn't it? Or do we not know? Do we, we know have, that? We have over 800 people that are in CCP right now. We have added, you know, hundreds of staff to city forces through the, the mayor's FY23 yep. budget. We don't have space for all of them. We do still have staff in certain departments that are teleworking. So as I mentioned earlier, and I think you might have broken up at that point, um, we are working with our directors to encourage hoteling and desk sharing so that when folks are teleworking, maybe they're sharing space because we just are running out of space between yep. CCP, yep 
cob and cab, we don't have enough space. The 800 people are just in CCP. Cab is busting at the seams. Cob is busting at the seams. No, no, for sure. You're a super big employer and it's easy for me to say, but I, I'm just wondering, you know, do we have an inventory of available office space? Because I get those, you know, monthly market updates and the percentage of, uh, of occupied uh, office space in downtown San Diego is like a super, super low number, like below 50%, significantly below. Well, we have third-party office leases downtown too, and we just renewed one of them because we don't have enough space. If we had space, I guarantee you, I would be moving okay. people back over into the Civic Core instead of writing a check every month to a third party. In 2020, Mayor Faulkner suspended payments on the leash for Ash Street, citing the lack of uh, benefit the public was getting from the payments. I've been told and uh, reading the briefs, it seems to me this is quite a bit similar to the argument that Aguirre makes when he argues that the city has no obligation to pay something for which its taxpayers are not getting a benefit. So to me, that raises that like creates a second front. You've got the 1090 front, which you guys don't apparently believe, but some people believe. And then you've got the Aguirre front that argues that you cannot use public funds when the public doesn't stand to directly benefit. And if Faulkner thought this argument was good enough in September 2020 to suspend the lease, well, he's the previous mayor. And for whatever the reasons you may have to doubt him, he thought this was a sound reason to pursue this cause. So why is Aguirre wrong in saying this is a potent tool for the city to get out of its alleged obligations. I'm not casting my lot with Kevin Faulkner and Mike Aguirre, Chris. Um, not on this matter, not on a lot of matters. Uh, you know, Mayor Faulkner uh, made it, he, dis, he was not forthcoming with all the information that Chris and I deserved when we voted on this original transaction. Um, and I think that much of this problem uh, was created by the fact that people were putting their political uh, ambitions ahead of the public's benefit. What we are doing today has not a lot of tremendous political upside. We acknowledge that, but we're choosing to deal with the problem. Perhaps if that was done in 2016, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Um, and I would suspect that that's a through line through many of the decisions to date on 101 Ash. But there's well, a distinction between those disclosures a, that you're Andrew, 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 please let me finish. There's a distinction between Faulkner's overall record on this and the specific legal argument he offered in September 2020. Do you question the specific legal argument that state law seems to suggest that you cannot encumber state funds unless there's a direct benefit to taxpayers going forward and that this case might qualify? I don't have confidence in Mr. Aguirre's uh, litigation, no. This is the position taken by the city of San Diego in September 2020. I believe that was a political decision by the previous mayor. And are we going to see the disclosures that you're talking about, the things that you didn't know? Will this, will this obscure this? Uh, and I mean, that's the argument people are getting is, okay, we're settling this to make this go away. Are those things going to go away? Will we continue pursuing that information so that there's transparency on how the decisions were made in this transaction? Well, you already have that information to the extent that Mr. Hughes was being paid. That was not information that was known publicly to Mr. Kate, myself, or to most San Diegans in 2016, although it seemingly was known to a number of people, particularly folks in the office I'm currently sitting in. Uh, that's a challenge that we have to deal with in terms of ongoing litigation. Uh, with regard to your question, Andrew, I can't say this enough. The litigation against Mr. Hughes continues. There'll continue to be discovery. There'll be continue to be litigation. There may be the potential for settlement for it, but we're not choosing to settle this case. We want to pursue it uh, because we see him as being the most culpable in this arrangement. Well, the, what I'm referring to is specifically the state of the building itself. Uh, there's, it's been said that we were deceived about the quality of the building, the state of the building, yeah. and now we're buying the building. Are we going to find out the truth about 
how those decisions were made in the past to not do the due diligence that led to this transaction. We have, Penny, you helped me out here in terms of the number of facilities reports that we've had done since the transaction. But I would say in terms of the deception, let me be very clear. I was told a $10,000 power wash was all that was needed for us to occupy that building. That was false. In my part, my vote was in part because I was told it was move-in ready. That did not happen. And you know that, and that's public today. Now, subsequent to that, the city has gone to great expense to have additional uh, conditions assessments done, and Penny helped me out on all of those, but that's where you have the number that's been off-quoted of being 20 and $115 million. Question is, how much money do we want to put into this, and what's the best business decision? This settlement allows us to start making those decisions. Penny, did you want to add anything to that? I was just going to mention it's all attached to the staff report, which was uploaded this morning. I know that you probably didn't have time to come through all 26 or 28 attachments that we had there, but everything is there. Additionally, Andrew, I think it's important to note that the independent auditor did a substantial report on major real estate transactions. Many of those recommendations have already been adopted by the mayor and his staff. We're still working on, on trying to adopt even more of those. And I made it very clear on Monday, I have no interest at all in turning the page and pretending like what happened before did not happen. I'm, I would absolutely not be part of this if that's what I thought that was going to happen. We need to learn the lessons of what happened and, and use that to move forward. However, our desire to see every single bit of this known by every San Diegan before we make a decision, all of that, all that does is weaken our position and put us in a lot of, it, with, with, uh, leave us in a position of incredible uncertainty on really, really important and expensive decisions that need to be made. Okay, when it comes to uncertainty, in 2016, the city attorney's office signed off on this deal, apparently creating a level of comfort for it to proceed. In this last week or two, the city attorney's office has made explicit that they do not like this deal. They are not comfortable with on it. How can that introduce? How can that not introduce such uncertainty in this that uh, that it doesn't raise red flags? Before you you joined us, Mr. Mayor, we were talking to Council President, and he said that through the independent council whose work was reviewed by the city attorney's office, the city attorney's office was aware of what the settlement would look like. Well, the city's attorney's office is disavowing the settlement that the outside council received that. So in 2016, uh, we look back at, we disdain the city attorney's office for not showing caution. And now the city attorney's office is reflecting profound caution and saying it didn't have a final say on the state settlement. How can that not raise basic questions about the wisdom of what you guys want to do going forward if the city attorney's office won't sign off on it? Well, she is signing off on it, but Mr. Kate, did you want to expand on that? Well, no, I would say, I mean, the fact that she's representing that she had no knowledge whatsoever of conversations that are happening in, in settlement discussions is, is, is absurd. I mean, and it was she's me, not, not the council that. president's that's not, office. that's not what I said she's representing. What okay. I said is that she's saying she does not like this deal, and she cites many, many reasons why she does not like this deal. However, you arrived at this deal, she doesn't like it, and she says, as the city's attorney, she doesn't like it. Well, prior to... The mayor coming on, you represented that she had no knowledge of the final deal points. And that's where I was commenting on is that outside counsel okay. was actually in those discussions, every single one of them. So she should be where if she wasn't aware for that, I'd want to know why, because she hired the outside counsel. Those are her 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 contract that she manages. So if she didn't know anything about it, I'd want to know why. I'm saying that that is absolutely false. Yeah, sounds like that was a misunderstanding. I, I wanted to get back for a second to what Andrew had been asking that same thread about you know uh, getting to the bottom of things. And uh, uh, I, I wonder, I guess this is a question for you, Todd. I, I wonder if there are other parties that the city uh, can or should be targeting legally. Like I spent a lot of time yesterday and today reading the Faulkner and Pitts uh, depositions. And in that you can see 
people uh, uh, forgetting a lot of things. And then uh, uh, to, 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 uh, to, to your point earlier, hey, it seems like there were people who knew. And I mean, I guess all of that uh, within the, 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 the current context, I feel like the deal that, that, you're, that you're struggling with, and I can see it's a difficult uh, situation everybody's in, would probably be more palatable if it came along with, here's aggressive, aggressive actions by the administration and the city to, to, uh, to hold everybody accountable and turn over every stone, as opposed to saying, hey, listen, uh, we're not expressing particular confidence in the city attorney's uh, prospects. The Geary suit, uh, we're not signing up on that. And uh, and we don't really have any control over the DA, so that's somebody else's issue. Like, what what is what is it the city could be doing to help hold people accountable and get to the bottom of things? Well, numerous things, and, I, and forgive me if I feel like I'm repeating myself, Jeff. But you know, the the ongoing litigation with Jason Hughes, we're not giving up on that. He needs to be held accountable, and he will be by us or by law enforcement or by both. But okay. there's that contractors, right? The litigation around the contractors whose shoddy construction work uh, created the circumstance for the building to be unoccupiable. This settlement does not address that. We will continue to pursue that discovery, depositions, public hearings. You will still have plenty to talk about. This does not completely resolve all issues related to 101 Ash, but it does allow us to figure out what we're going to do going forward on this property while we work on that. Beyond that, the city auditors, independent auditor looked at this situation. We have accepted, embraced, and are implementing all of the recommendations. We have new management at our real estate department. Uh, you heard the council president a moment ago saying he is not forgetting the lessons learned on this thing. To say that we are just trying to whistle past this thing would be false. We have not only taken substantial internal reorganizations to address the, fa the failures that caused this to happen, but we're continuing to aggressively pursue litigation against Mr. Hughes, who I think is extremely culpable, as well as the contractors that broke the building. This is not done, but this is making a business decision of the current situation where we are paying rent, where our employees are at risk of having to continue to work in substandard conditions or potentially be put on the sidewalk not withholding that yes, we could find additional space, but when do we do that and at what cost and at what uncertainty when we have so many other competing priorities for the city's resources. But if you call back the $9 million from Jason Hughes without undoing the contract that he advised, uh, how does that reassure taxpayers? In 2014 or 2015, Semper told the Public Utilities Commission that the building was disaster. And somehow that did not reach the ears in City Hall until years after the fact. So I just think that uh, I, I, I just speaking for the Joe populist out there, they're going to look at this and say this absolutely reeks. And so why isn't there justice as achieved as opposed to this carefully calibrated idea? Oh, we'll minimize our exposure. Well, why not get justice? But Chris, I don't have handcuffs to go arrest these people. Is that what you're suggesting? No, I'm saying that, uh, uh, that uh, you know, maybe the city doesn't have the deep pockets that some people do, but some people, when they face litigation that they consider ridiculous, they just say, okay, to hell with it. We'll go forward and we'll, we'll do what we can. I bet you if you put it to a public vote as to whether or not this should be settled or should be pursued until the ends of time, there'd be lots of people who say pursue it till the ends of time. Because since 1996, there have been a, city, a series of disasters associated with basic judgments made by San Diego City Hall. And so it just seems to me that in the larger picture of this, what you guys are delivering is deeply unsatisfying. Now, maybe it's stupid to pose it that way and say that's not how the world should work and we should only care about the bottom line. But I just, uh, I just 
don't get why you folks don't appreciate the level of frustration that here we go again. The city has blown another big deal. I, and no, now gonna, they're trying I'm, to make it go away. I'm going to take issue to that. I mean, the, the fact that there's you're casting aspersion now on our, our belief that we don't we don't care for what's the city thinks or what residents think about this. I think the mayor noted that is that we don't make these decisions lightly. We understand. I would love to to, to argue this to the end of time and, and figure things out, but I'm, that's not what we we have the ability to do that. And we settle cases all the time. I mean, the city attorney's office presents cases to us all the time. And we settle that we just, we have to we have to move forward with, with the business of the city. I think we made a, a sound judgment in this, and that the fact that we. We did not tie Jason Hughes to this. Jason Hughes is the crux of all of this, and we we are separating him from this specifically because we want justice for that. We know we did. I had Jason Hughes in my office asking me to help lobby then Mayor Faulkner to be a volunteer, whatever the hell he was, in my office after this. So to, for him to say certain things, I mean, frustrates the hell out of me and I want justice for him. And we're purposely excluding him from this because we want justice served on him. Yeah, Chris, I mean, it, it should piss all, it pisses all of us off. It's in, it's incredibly dissatisfying. Like I can't, I can't express that enough, but there's this, this deal cannot be analyzed. The settlement cannot be analyzed in a vacuum. The three of us are sitting in a building right now that has 70, 70 to a hundred million dollars in deferred maintenance and capital costs. It'd be one thing if we were sitting in a strong real estate position and felt like we could sit here, sit in this building until the end of time. We can't do that. We don't have that luxury. It would be so much easier for me. I have, I have no relationship to that initial decision, right? The easy political decision would be like, that's on you all. I'm saying no to everything. That would be, I think that'd be irresponsible. So we can absolutely simultaneously say, this is infuriating. Every San Diegan should be pissed off. And this is the best path forward. Those things are true at the same time in this, in this situation. Yeah, you know, Sean, uh, 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 I, pre I appreciate what you all are saying about the Hughes suit, because obviously that's on the minds of a lot of people. And it may be, uh, it, this is weighing with me a little, having read those depositions so recently, but there's this one passage where Aguirre is, uh, is uh, talking to Steve Pitts, and he asked this pretty pointed question about like, why, and he doesn't get an answer, why do you think that Steve Black would write a check of four and a half million dollars to Jason Hughes on this deal? What, wh why would he give him more money than I think he made himself? What is the possible explanation for that amount of money changing hands? It's a very, uh, uh, I think an important question. And I guess the reason I ask it is the, the city has this uh, posture, which I guess I personally would applaud toward Jason Hughes. We need to figure out what happened there. But with Stephen Black, it's let, let's uh, settle and write a big check. Right. So like that's what I was saying, like with my first question about well, you have a level of comfort with the partner across the table. You have a different feeling about Jason Hughes. Right. And I guess my question is, well, why do you have that level of comfort around the principles in Sistera? Like you're sort of set them up as a business partner and some other people as criminal suspects. And I'm just wondering what more you might know than I know about all that. I would say that we don't have a level of comfort in the sense that, but but that informs our decision. An ongoing business relationship with Sistera is not in the city's best interest, and we want to cease that relationship. This settlement does that. It also claws back the profit that the Sistera made from this transaction, and and it causes them to have to pay their own attorney's fees, which is millions of dollars. So 
you know, the, the, as Penny's illustrated, and I'll repeat, doing what might be suggested by some to continue this business relationship, potentially losing core and then be at their mercy going forward based on the past experience. Why would I sign cities and this taxpayers up for that? Uh, you know, it, it, it is not satisfying. I think we all would like to see a, a, a public <laughs> flogging for all that is involved, but that's not going to happen. So if that's what you're holding out for, prepare to be completely unsatisfied um, and simultaneously potentially enri further enriching the individuals for whom we have a lot of frustration with. We're ceasing this business relationship. We will not be doing business with them going forward. We will claw back our profit. They will have to continue to live with the stain of this transaction on their corporate record. Uh, but we won't be doing business with them any longer. And that's one of the benefits of this settlement agreement. We'll claw back the profit, but you won't be clawing back pretty massive gains. I mean, these buildings were, were uh, assessed not too long ago for considerably less than we're paying for them now. I believe the one was 67 million back in what 2015 and the other was I'd have to look at my notes somewhere but I think it was like 45 million back in 2018 um and we're paying getting close to double for those with a giant giant repair bill thrown into boot so how does that look like a good deal in the long run how does it pencil out Penny do you want to Try and help with that. We have the obligation to pay that amount under the leases. So, you know, depending on what the path forward is and what the ultimate outcome is to the mayor's point, we're trying to cease the relationship and pay that rent now. One of the other benefits of this settlement is with the lender CGA. Um, both of the leases allow them to collect a uh, yield maintenance fee, which is essentially a pre-penalty or a prepayment penalty, which is enormous. It's about $11 million between the two properties. It would make it infeasible for the city to be able to do that. So for us to be able to pay out what our obligations are under those leases now, save that $11 million and be able to move forward, you know, on our own, I think that's pretty, pretty invaluable to uh, us. That's a, I, I'm glad you explained that, Penny. So that $11 million is the prepayment penalty. Got Correct. It. Correct. That they're entitled uh, to under both contracts. They're waiving that and that's to our benefit. Yeah, yeah. Although I appreciate Andrew's it. question is is uh, probably a, a a good one, right? When we say they've given back the profit, that maybe is uh, characterized in one way, but there's another way to measure that profit: the total gain, right? And I would say it's the profit that's on the closing statement at the time that the transaction occurred. Again, we're kind of all getting in our time machines, going back, resetting. The city has an obligation to pay a certain amount over a certain number of years. They collected a certain you know, amount of money. Um, we're resetting everything from here moving forward. Yeah. Well, I appreciate everyone's patience with my, uh, my questions and my, my passion about this. One final question. It was represented to me by someone who may or may not know what what's going on, that in the mediation, if you review the coverage of the mediation, you had one side that wants to get all it can. You have another side, the city, that has a big interest in putting this behind it. And then you have a mediator who realizes that he will only be perceived as a success if a deal is achieved. And so the argument was put to me, where's the aggrieved person saying, no, no way in hell, this is not good for San Diego taxpayers. Was that voice absent at the mediation table when this was hashed out? Uh, both council member Kate and I were a part of the mediation, so that's not something that we can speak to. Thank you. I, I think, Chris, 
to answer your question, you get the tone and the feeling of everyone in this conversation. Uh, we are San Diegans. Uh, we are angry about the situation, but this is the best solution to a very impossible situation that we were left with. Yeah, and I, I did want to add uh, a little bit to build on Chris's uh, uh, gesture there. This is obviously very frustrating for, for, for all of you, I'm sure, who are working very hard on it, as well as for the community and for the journalists of the the, the uh, passions in our questioning are probably a little strong. So uh, hopefully that's not uh, made too many bruises. Listen, we're here to do the hard stuff, right? And look at what we've done over the last number of months. You know, this mayor and council were left with <laughs> uh, no ambulance contract, vacation rentals, scooters, amok, street vending unregulated. The list goes on and on of things that were left undone. It's easy to do nothing and to be given laurels on the way out the door. Uh, this group is not going to do that. We are going to solve problems. And this is a significant problem. There's no question about it. But every ounce of time that we put on this is time that we're not spending on the issues that San Diegans contact us the most about. Homelessness, housing costs, inflation, economic recovery, the pandemic. Uh, I think what we have is a, a serious, as I said the other day, there are no, there's no ideal outcome in this regard. Even winning is losing, right? Because even winning this litigation means that we are homeless at CCP. We have to spend millions to fix a building that we don't get to own, 101 Ash. Um, and the other parties, you know, just continue about their way. Uh, I'm hopeful that you will help us, you know, hold them accountable in terms of, of their participation in this agreement. I hope that you appreciate the position that we're in and having to be the adults in the room and cleaning it up after a disaster. And then you heard all of us commit to making sure the systems are in place to not let this happen again. I understand the skepticism, but you can judge us by what we do. And we'll give you plenty of opportunities to do that as we work diligently on repairing another mess that was left with us and with regard to the sports arena property, where you've already seen Penny come in and fix what was a, a failed uh, bid process, uh, an improper uh, or apparently illegal that was signed off by the city attorney, illegal uh, uh, or at least subject of litigation, questioning a ballot measure. I mean, we are constantly in the position of having to fix stuff. And it would certainly, I would appreciate this editorial board's support for a group of leaders who are not choosing to allow our political careers to decide how we uh, steward this city, but instead that we make the best possible decisions with the information that we have. And Andrew, to your question, we have gotten a lot of information over the last uh couple of years of litigation. And this is our considered opinion of myself and many members of the city council. Okay, if there's no other questions, uh, thank you very much. I'm sorry we went longer than 30 minutes. Uh, I appreciate your time. Thanks to everyone involved. Uh, any last questions, I can certainly, can certainly hang on if you guys can, but otherwise, uh, thanks for all your help. Thank you, thank you guys. Thank you. Thank you, team. Thank you.